from the man who wrote the book on human behavior. A special edition Richard Flint podcast. Let's talk about it. Let's talk human behavior. Hey, good morning. Richard Flint here and welcome to this episode of Let's Talk Human Behavior. Let me tell you something I've learned. People are so interesting. <laughs> One moment they could be up and the next moment down. You know, as long as they feel they're in control of their life, life seems manageable. But let their, let their life be turned upside down, filled with uncertainty, frightened by the unknown. And they tend to find themselves struggling with all that is coming at them. Now, that means that there's a result. And the result that I'm seeing is an increase in their personal stress. Now, think with me for a moment. Does that sound like the time we're living in right now? This new abnormal, and always pay attention to my words, this is not the new normal, this is the new abnormal. Do not accept this as the new normal. It is the new abnormal. This new abnormal has taken away the foundation that many have built their life upon. A life that is out of sync, now hear me, a life that is out of sync is a life that's lost its rational thinking. It starts to rely more on its emotions than its mental strength. Let's Talk Human Behavior is all about helping people calm down, regain their internal strength, and find their pathway to being in sync. From the beginning of this podcast, I've committed to doing all I can do to help people be better, be smarter, and be stronger. And during this time of this new abnormal, this is why I've chosen to reach out to a select group of people I respect. And I know share this commitment to helping people live the life that's meant for them. I think there's a life for every one of us that's there for us to live. But it's not just gonna be handed to us. It's one we have to seek to find. And as life comes at us, from all different forms and from all different directions. We have to be prepared to deal with those times of the unpredictable and the uncontrollable, which to me is where we are right now in this new abnormal. So one of these people that I respect so much uh, is a young lady by the name of Joanne Alaberry. And she joins us uh, morning here, night there from Brisbane, Australia. And Joanne, I want to thank you for staying up past your bedtime uh, to do, do this chat with us. And uh, welcome to Let's Talk Human Behavior. Thank you, Richard. I'm, I'm really honored to be part of this. Thank you for asking me. So I know that there's probably a, a few of the people here, maybe a lot of the people who join us for our episodes of Let's Talk Human Behavior that really don't know who you are. So Give us a thumbnail, give us a sketch. Who is this lady from Brisbane, Australia, whose name is Joanne Oliveri? Well, if I was to describe myself, I would say that, uh, you know, people recognize me um, as being very passionate about what I do. And what I do is I'm a crusader for empowering positive change in the property management industry. And, um, I, you know, discovered a long time ago 
that that was my passion in life. Um, and, you know, it really does drive me. Having this crusade and this passion has driven me through some, you know, um, moments in life where I wanted to give up. Um, but this flame inside me um, just kept burning and would not let me give up. So I really believe, um, you know, so, so honestly that this was what I was put on this world to do was to, you know, empower this positive change in the property management industry. And um, it, to me, it's not about work. It's, it's not about, you know, when you get knocked down, stay down. It's just get up and, and keep going and keep learning. And, and it energises me. So, you know, um, I would say if, if people asked who I was, um, they'd say that's that person who's just so passionate about property management. And they'd also probably describe me as, you know, the purple lover. Um, so a lot of people recognise me for my love of purple. And, um, and ever since I was a little girl, um, you know, purple's always been my favourite colour. So I get called names like um, purple love and purple empress and purple in Paris. And, you know, I take that on. So that's our branding but if, um, you know, I really dig deep and, you know, look inside as to who I am, my reason for everything I do is my children and now my grandchildren. So, you know, that's what drives me and inspires me to keep going. And, and you know, it's just the reason for everything I do in this well, world. And I, I understand you have a new little grandbaby uh, that right now, because of the quarantine of the lockdown, you haven't been able to see. And I've talked to a lot of grandparents who right now, one of their biggest challenges is that they can't see their grandkids. So as a grandmother, is that true about you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, my little grandsons, I've got two of them. One's just turned three whilst we were in quarantine. And um, little William was born at the start of February. And um, yeah, we can't see them. They literally live five minutes away. And, and we've just gone through uh, almost a, like an evacuation from the USA back to Australia. And, and we thought, you know, we, we wanted to be close to the children and we're close, um, but we're still using technology to um, talk to them and to see them. So, you know, this... Um, this crisis that we're going through, the pandemic, is, you know, for anyone who's got children and grandchildren, it does feel so lonely not being able to hold your children and, and you know, just let them know it's going to be all right. We'll all get to the other side of this. And, um, yeah, you just you want to reach out to them so badly. Yeah. I want to go back to something you said a minute ago because it really, uh, it really is, I think, part of the struggle people are going, are going through. Uh, you know, you're driven by passion, and I know you well enough. Uh, I know that passion. You and I met uh, a few years ago at the National Association of Realtor Convention, and yes. I can remember us sitting down and talking, and one of the things I felt about you was the passion that you have uh, for what you do with your life. And that passion over the years has got to have been tested uh, because... I know that anytime you have a commitment of your life to something that you feel and you use the words and it's the words I talk about all the time that you're doing with your life ex exactly what you should be doing with your life. 
And, you know, how do you sustain that passion when all of a sudden, uh, you know, you get attacked because uh, I know that there have been attacks against you and your passion. How do you stay strong in the midst of all of a sudden, you know, your passion and all of a sudden you get uh, a blow from the left or from the right? How do you maintain passion? That's a really good question. And sometimes, you know, it is difficult because we're all human. And, you know, when we get a, a, a you know, a blow and, and sometimes it's a personal blow um, and sometimes it can be a personal attack. I've learned over the years to, you know, get out of my head and, you know, jump inside to my soul because I learned, um, you know, as I was guided and driven by my purpose and my passion that, um, you know, like it was my soul inside of me that was actually, you know, giving me that energy to keep going and, and giving me the solutions that I needed to, um, you know, work through those moments of doubt. Um, and of course, I, you know, had a lot of conversations with you too. Um, so, you know, like I think it's really important to have someone that you trust that will give you the right advice. Um, so that you can, you know, work through these moments of self-doubt and um, what I call humanness, where, you know, you kind of like forget about your soul, which is, you know, your soul is your purpose in life um, and your head is humanness, where you, you start to overthink things and, and, you know, maybe get a, a bruise to your ego or something like that. And, so, um, yeah, I think by having someone like you, Richard, who um, really helps a person to get out of the head and, and connect with their soul, the more you do that, the more you practice that, the more you believe in it, the, the more you have faith in what your purpose and passion is, the more that you can get up um, after, you know, a big blow and, you know, just keep moving forward. Well, you, you used a, a, a concept there that uh, I think is, uh, has created so, many, so much of the struggle of people today is that most people don't have a mentor. Most people don't have somebody they can turn to. So what they do is they just reach out to everybody. And it's amazing how everybody has what they think is the right answer, even if they've never experienced what they're talking about. So for, for you and what you do in property management, you know, how important is it that you have that open channel with people where you can be a mentor to so many of these people, both in, uh, well, it's not only in Australia, but it's uh, around the world. How important is it that you are a mentor to people? I think it's, you know, very important because, uh, you know, like I see in them some of the pain and struggle that, you know, I was going through too. And, um, you know, the ones who are open to being mentored are the ones that will work through that struggle. And they're the ones that you realise that, you know, they're in this for the right reason because it, it truly is a passion to them. And will that passion be their purpose? Maybe not. And that's where I think some people go wrong just because you've got a passion about something doesn't mean to say that it is your purpose. 
Um, and, you know, uh, I think that's where when people go through all the knocks in life and different things that, you know, they can get up and, and keep going on that pathway that's, um, you know, like pushing them forward almost. I think that's when you realise that this is not just a passion, this is a purpose. And you feel this overwhelming sense of responsibility, but it's a good responsibility because, you know, it's, it's almost like a calling that you feel. So, um, you know, I think that's where some people go wrong. Passion is not necessarily a purpose. Um, and having a mentor can help you to understand, you know, I can be passionate about this, but this passion is actually driving me towards my purpose. And that's where I think a mentor is very, very good because it, they will guide you on the pathway. Yeah, one of the things I've learned uh, in working with human behavior is that many people have a passion that's driven by curiosity. Mm -hmm. And when you have that passion driven by curiosity, if that, the, if that curiosity doesn't bring about a defined purpose, then the curiosity dies. But if the passion can connect to, yes. this is my purpose in life, then all of a sudden, the passion becomes a flame, not just a little spark. And there's a difference between a passion that's a spark and a passion that becomes a flame. And I think one of the roles of a mentor, and I've watched you do this with people, is to question whether this passion driven by curiosity can become a flame or will it simply die because it's not filled with a defined purpose? Would you agree with that? Oh, 100%. And, you know, when you find, uh, you know, like for anyone that's been um, driven by a passion that they've realised it is their purpose, they realise that, you know, it's, they might have a defining moment in their life and they want to give up. You know, they just think, that's it, I've had enough. But the, the purpose won't stop. It's in their head. It's constantly driving them forward. It's like telling them, get up, keep going. And, and you know, you almost see it, uh, like crystal clear images of where this purpose is taking you. So there is no doubt in your mind as to what you need to do. And you know that every knock and blow that you have along the way is just a lesson. Um, so, and, and that's hard. That's really hard to learn that, you know, all these things happen, you know, as a lesson, um, just, you know, driving you towards what your, what I call the ultimate pinnacle is. So, um, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's really hard to explain because it, it really does feel like this rush inside of you. Um, and, um, you know, I don't need coffee or anything like that. It's like, it's already inside of me. Um, so, you know, it is, it's kind of magical when you truly connect with what your purpose is. So where is this passion and purpose taking Joanne? Where's it taking her? Well, it's, it's taking me on this um, crusade um, to, you know, find better ways of doing business in property management, find better ways of servicing the clients that, you know, need 
property managers, you know, finding better ways of helping people to enjoy their career in property management. Um, and, you know, if they're not enjoying it, guiding them to, you know, where their lesson in property management is taking them. Um, but, you know, like I see property management as an industry where it's kind of like it, it's just lost its way. Um, and it's been going backwards for many, many, many years. And, um, you know, what's happening at the moment, I'm actually very excited about what it's going to do for the property management industry. Um, so, yeah, you know, like I'm not, you know, Pollyanna where you see the positive in everything, but, um, you know, I have learned that over the years, you know, we have these defining moments and you can find good out of everything that happens. Well, you've just put together, uh, you were talking to me about before we came on to do the show, uh, that you've put together a, a world task force for property management and you call it RISE. What's that mean? Yes. So RISE is, um, it's an acronym for resilience, uh, inspiration, strategy and empowerment. And uh, I put together a global task force um, because I didn't want property management to go back to the way it was um, after COVID. And uh, I see this as a watershed moment for the industry. And uh, I was doing, you know, Facebook lives and I was getting, you know, a lot of comments and, and I could see people hurting and worried and, and, you know, not sure what the future held and and I could also see that there was a lot of um, reaction to what was going on and I thought they're going to come out of this and you know have problems that they shouldn't have had um, and so I was talking to various people and I've put together a, um, a task force made up of um, two representatives from the banking industry one here in Australia one in the USA, um, some people who work on the front line in property management, both here and in the USA, you know, spread across Australia and the USA, and um, and then some, you know, different uh, technology companies that support the property management industry. And uh, yeah, we had our first meeting um, this morning, and um, we call ourselves the task forces and. And, you know, uh, we are collaborating to have a look at what the new business model looks like, the new service model, um, you know, what clients want from property managers and, and you know, what our, our, you know, ultimate purpose is as property managers. And it's looking pretty exciting um, because, you know, what I've seen over the last few years is we've had a lot of talent through the property management industry that's been burnt out or they've just lost their way or, you know, just disillusioned. Um, and a lot of technology and some really clever technology um, that either just hasn't worked for the companies or property managers don't like to, um, you know, use it because they feel that they'll be irrelevant if they do. Um, and, um, you know, the technology that has been implemented has not necessarily made the sort of difference um, that it should have. So, um, you know, as task forces, our goal is to actually unite this talent with technology and, 
you know, create the new business model. So, yeah, I'm, I get really excited about it when I think about it because, you know, um, this truly is a watershed moment for the industry. And if we do the right thing, we're going to rise out of this and, you know, have a, a wonderful industry that, you know, property owners will truly respect and value. Well, I like your idea of watershed moment because I think where we are in life right now uh, with everything that, that's going on um, is a watershed moment for all of us uh, because I believe this is a time of breathing rather than trying to catch your breath. I think this is a time of discovery. Uh, I think this is a time for to have the time that we haven't had to really take a look at what is it out there that we can do when we get to the other side that will make us better? Now, you've been here, uh, you were in the States for a, a while working with a company in California, and you've gone back in the midst of all this to Australia. And is Australia uh, struggling with this bad bug virus uh, the same as we are here in the States? Uh, well, you know, our cases aren't as high as what the States is, and, and a lot of that has to do with population, of course. Um, you know, there's only 24-odd million people that live in Australia compared to the States, and, you know, like in California, I think there was, you know, um, more than double that um, just in the state where I lived. So um, Australia has actually had the benefit of seeing what happened in Europe and, you know, and then the USA. And um, I was in California when the governor um, and the mayor, you know, started to slowly close down California. Um, and uh, I was there when we had the stay-at-home order. Um, so I, I had a, you know, um, because, you know, my reason is my children, I was becoming very, um, you know, anxious about being so far away from my children, not knowing um, what was going to happen with this virus. So, you know, my goal was to get back to Australia with my husband, of course, and be as close as possible, you know, to the children. Um, because, yeah, I mean, like everyone, it's this virus, you know, it, it just, it took off like wildfire. When we left the States on the 23rd of March, there was 41,000 cases in total and you know here we are three and a bit weeks later and you know uh you're over six hundred thousand um so you know it's really frightening but in australia um when we landed they were just starting to close borders um and we got out on the last commercial flight to brisbane from la um and that was you know like arriving back in australia was frightening um, because, you know, it wasn't the Australia that we knew when we landed here. So landing at the Brisbane airport, it felt like we were walking into uh, a hospital emergency ward. They were all gowned up in, you know, all their, their surgery um, equipment and, and masks. And, you know, as we were leaving the plane, we were handed all these papers on quarantine and what we needed to do. And we you know, um, had to fill out these papers before we left the airport. And, and it was a, a really frightening moment to thinking, what are we walking into? 
Um, but we went straight from the airport. Luckily, um, we've got our apartment in downtown Brisbane and we arrived the day before they started putting everyone into quarantine in hotels. So we were able to go into quarantine in our own home. And what we've seen um, since we've been here is Australia really looking to the rest of the world um, and, you know, making faster decisions, um, slowing some things, um, you know, like shopping centres were still open and, um, you know, for the life of me, I can't understand why hairdressing salons are still open. But, um, you know, they, they, they had the benefit of seeing what was going on in the Northern Hemisphere. So I think um, they feel that they've got, you know, the virus under control um, from spreading. But we are still shut down. Our economy is, you know, still pretty much, it's been brought to a standstill. And, um, you know, unemployment is going to hit around 10%. So we've still got all of those same, you know, economic um, factors that the governments are, are trying to deal with. As you talk to people, uh, Joanne, what are you, what are you hearing from people right now? I'm hearing a lot of anxiety, you know, in, in not just their voices, but in the words that they're not saying. Um, and again, I, I go back to the airport and what I saw at the airport really did frighten me because it was just kind of like dead faces, what I call those you know, those, those dead eyes um, where there's, you know, just fear behind the eyes. And, um, and you know, I, I think some people are being rather, you know, like um, bravo and, and that about what's going on, but really be behind it, they're worried. They're worried about their jobs, you know, they've obviously being worried about food running out and, and, you know, that's kind of leveling out a little bit now. So, you know, I did go to the grocery store today for the first time in about five weeks and, and was very shocked to see um, empty shelves still. Um, so, you know, I think there is still a lot of panic amongst people. They're worried, um, you know, about um, not having a job when this is over. They're worried about how long this will go on for. Um, you know, and I think uh, people like myself um, who can't see their children and grandchildren are uh, worried more about their children and grandchildren than themselves. So, um, and the young ones, I see that they're worried about, you know, their parents. Um, so, and I, I heard that in my children's voices when I was still in California when they were calling me every day and I could hear the, the level of um, anxiety just rising in their voices, just saying, get home, mum, you've got to be home. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it is something that none of us have ever, you know, lived through before and none of us saw coming and, and none of us can understand how this could happen so quickly. You know, it's, it's brought the world to its knees almost. So... Um, yeah, it's, it's that same worry everywhere. One of the things that I, uh, when we were talking about, and I asked you to spend this time with me, 
uh, one of the questions uh, I asked you, or one of the things I asked from you, if uh, you would put together uh, some ideas, some tips, some suggestions of how to maintain your sanity in the midst of this time, because I think people are being challenged today at the level of their stress. Uh, we know stress is a natural part of life. Uh, you can't live without it, and you sure don't want to live with it controlling your life. And this new abnormal has really increased uh, the stress level in people's lives. So what would you tell people? What would be your suggestions uh, of how to maintain your sanity during this time? What would you tell them? Yeah, well, um, you know, um, I did put together a list, and, and this is based on, you know, experience from, you know, several years ago when my normal became abnormal and, and I had to, you know, learn how to have a whole new world. Um, and, uh, you know, the first thing I see this crisis as being is an equaliser. It's, you know, like we're all in this together. We truly are. There's, there's no one who their money or their beauty or their brains can get them through this. We are all equal through this. Um, and, you know, that displays our humanness. And I think we've lost that over the years. So I don't see this as a crisis. I actually see it as an equaliser. It's an opportunity for us to all, you know, reconnect to our humanness and our souls again. Um, and, you know, I, I did a lot of that soul searching many, many years ago. The other thing um, I see this as is, um, you know, I, I remember a word people used to say to me many years ago when I was going through, um, you know, what was my, you know, worst moment ever in my life. Um, and they always to say, you will recover from this. And um, I used to look at them and think, how do you ever recover from a shattered heart? You know, like, you can't recover from this. My parts of my heart are missing and they'll be missing forever. Um, but what I discovered um, through, you know, um, you know, working through living with my new normal was you never recover, but you rediscover. So you rediscover what your new pathway is and, and what you need to do to find the joy in your new pathway as well. Um, and, and part of that was, you know, accepting that I can't control everything. There's certain things that I'll never be able to control. Um, but, you know, I can control the way I respond to things. Um, and, you know, again, I refer back to my moment 10 years ago when I wanted to give up. I, I wanted to, you know, depart from this world. I, I just couldn't see myself ever breathing again, um, you know, um, ever wanting to live again. But uh, I learned that, you know, like I have to reflect on, on what happens and, you know, control the way I respond to situations. And I've learned that lesson and, and taken it through in everything um, that, you know, has happened uh, ever since, you know, that moment 10 years ago. Um, and there's been a lot of things, as you know, Richard, that, you know, I've had to work through 
you know, over these past 10 years and, and recently when I was in the USA. So, um, you know, it's very, very important to, to really have that inner reflection and, you know, think about the way that you're responding to the things that you can't control. Um, and of course, the, you know, the other thing that uh, I've learned is that, you know, like get out of your head, um, stop listening to everyone else's perspectives and, and everything. And if you really connect to your soul, the answers are within your soul on what you need to do. There is so much noise out there and so many opinions um, that, you know, I, I, you know, believe that God has put the answers in our soul. And if we go inside our soul, we will find that calmness that we all need, especially now, because, you know, you said it at the start of this, that everyone needs to stay calm. And that's what it's all about. You know, stop making bigger stories than what it is. This is big. Absolutely. It's huge. But, you know, um, it's, it's not going to go away by us, you know, um, just making things bigger than what they are. We, the solutions are there for us. Um, and, and the other thing that you, tr you actually taught me to do this was reflection. Um, and, you know, so I reflect on my past and look at how my past has created a pathway um, to my future and a pathway to my purpose and, you know, a pathway to all those defining moments in my life that, you know, have made me who I am today. And, you know, I love who I am today. Um, I'm human, I, I break, I cry, um, you know, but it's okay um, because being human means that we have emotions. Um, and, and then the other thing that, you know, is, is, was really a powerful moment for me is when I did want to give up. I wanted to, you know, check out of here because I just thought I could not live another day longer. And I clearly remember um, this vision in my head and a voice telling me, um, you have two paths in front of you. Look down the paths and tell me which one you'll choose. And I believe that that voice was God. I really do. And I looked down both paths and one pathway was very dark and very scary and frightening and um, almost evil, very negative, very draining. Um, I just looked down there and, and shivered. I looked down the other path and, and I saw, you know, joy and happiness and just, you know, just white light and um, just, you know, goodness. And I, you know, said, I, I choose the path of light. And uh, God said, you've chosen wisely because the dark path was the path of resentfulness and the light path was the path of resilience. And, and I remember saying out loud, I choose resilience. And that choice, that choice in life has, you know, been a pathway that, I've walked ever since that, you know, message that I believe was from God guiding me. And so I look for the joy in everything, um, you know, and I find joy in moments even when, you know, like I, I'm just heartbroken. So, you know, that was 
you know, very, very powerful for me. Well, you know, and uh, I'm not going to take time to go into this, but just to put a, a foundation to this, 10 years ago, uh, Joanne lost her oldest son. And that's something you wish on no person uh, ever has to go through this. And people handle it so differently. And I'm proud of the way that Joanne has come through this. Not been easy. It's been a challenge. Uh, I've watched her be on the emotional roller coaster up and down. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's what you were talking about with one point there. People say you'll recover from this. Uh, you never recover from it. No. But I like, I like your choice. It's not about uh, recovering. It's about rediscovery. And life goes on. And we can either we can either stay in the pain we're in, or we can take the pain we've been through and translate that into rediscovering life. And what you had when you had your son rediscovering the joy and everything he brought to your life. Uh, and I wish that on no person, but I'm gonna tell you something. This is a lady who handled it uh, and worked through her pain. And that big part of that pain is still there. It'll be with her the rest of her life. But it, she has made it a time of, of rediscovery. Uh, I got two more things before we, we close out, Joanne. If people would like to reach out to you with any questions about any aspect of this, uh, how can they reach you? Um, yes, absolutely. They can email me, um, and my email address is joe, J O, at irrevolution. It's I R E V I L O U T I O N.com. Or, you know, um, they can call me. So, um, oh, bless you. <laughs> Um, I'm glad all through this. Yeah, I'm glad it wasn't me because I've got the loudest sneeze. I deafen people. Yeah. Um, or they can reach out to me, you know, through Facebook or LinkedIn. They're really good, you know, avenues. And and of course, you know, we can jump on a private messenger and and um, you know chat there either by voice or video. Um, but I'm always happy to share with people and, um, you know, help them to feel calm through whatever it is that they're going through. And, um, you know, it's to see it as, as lessons and, and, you know, find that pathway through. I feel blessed that God spoke to me because, um, you know, before that, the paths were dark. Yeah. So last question. What do you hope? What, what do you hope we look like when we get to the other side of this? I I really do hope um, that you know we have more time for family and friends. You know our, our world was getting so fast before, and it's amazing how quickly you know we kind of like spun down to you know just almost nothing and I was talking to my daughter just before this and and she couldn't remember what day it was and she said it feels like time is going fast and slow all at the same time so 
you know, I, I hope that, you know, we slow down and spend more time with family um, and reflecting on ourselves as well. Um, so, you know, one of the other things I really hope that comes from this is that people are grateful for their jobs, whatever that job is, because that job is taking them somewhere um, that, you know, um, it will be their ultimate purpose in life. And, you know, this sense of entitlement that you and I have talked about many, many times, I hope that's eradicated forever. And, you know, when someone has a job, especially now that they've seen that, you know, they can lose their job so quickly, that they're grateful um, to be there and, and, you know, be able to earn that money and provide a, a service to the people that they've chosen to serve. Um, and, and I really hope that as well as being grateful that they're willing to be accountable because when you're willing to be accountable, it means you're willing to learn, you're willing to grow and, um, you know, um, take feedback on board as something as positive that helps you to, you know, learn and grow and stretch yourself. Um, and the other thing I hope is that, you know, people learn to accept their beauty, the, the person that they are, um, that, you know, everyone is beautiful from the inside out. And um, we've become a world where everyone wants to be beautiful from the outside in. Um, and so I really hope that, you know, this is a time when, you know, women, you know, we, we um, can't go to beauty parlours and all things like that. We're starting to see who we really are and um, accept that we are beautiful, that men are beautiful. And um, beauty really does reflect from the inside out. Um, so, you know, I hope people aren't offended by this, but I hope the fakeness um, that has infiltrated our world disappears after this. And um, I, I think the other thing is that I hope that we don't have any more cliques, that, you know, we have community rather than cliques because we've seen a lot of cliques um, in people and, and I hope we get back to community and, you know, wanting to share this, willing to, to share and be with others instead of taking from others. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'd like to see, you know, on the other side of this, that, you know, we're a more united and together world and um, that, you know, like I, I'm not religious, but I am spiritual. And I hope that, you know, God enters our lives and we hear it like I did. Um, and see, you know, some people call him God, others call it the universe, whatever you call it, that you, you know, spend time reflecting on, you know, all of those things that are going on in your head that, you know, you're spinning so fast, doing so many things that we're not hearing it. So, yeah, I hope the world is quieter and more at peace after this. Well, you know, and I, I like that. I like that. And I, I, I'm going to take the word that you have used because I think it's a, a capsule word that uh, really just um, pulls together everything you've said and that this time, wherever we are, uh, that we use this time is a time of rediscovery, uh, finding what our priorities are, what's really important to us. Uh, because I think anytime the rug is pulled out from under you, uh, with or without your permission, uh, it's, it's a path, you, you've got to choose. 
And I think this is a time where we can rediscover the real meaning of life to us and the real purpose of life that we have with other people. You know, I really, really, really appreciate you taking this time with us and sharing with us. And uh, so I look forward to the next time I get to see you in, pers in person and, yes. and take care of yourself, okay, there in Australia. Thanks, Joanne. Thank you, Richard.